my fellow Americans, our long national nightmare is over. The 2024 Republican presidential primary field is taking shape. The battle lines are becoming clearer, and so is the field of candidates. Is the odds on favorites, if you look at the polling, still Trump versus Biden? That seems to be it, but it's just way too early to tell. I'm more angry now, and I'm more committed now than I ever was. Big challenge for these candidates is going to be how do they navigate Donald Trump? And, and how do they navigate Ron DeSantis? You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. Welcome back to the Ruthless Variety program. I'm Michael Duncan. With me today, Comfortably Spug and John Ashbrook. It's wonderful to be here with you guys. It's going to be a great episode. Josh Holmes, unfortunately, is not with us today, but we got a great, great show for you today and a, a great interview that y'all did uh, earlier today. Who's, oh, that, yeah. who's that with? That is with the memer of Congress, yes. Mike Collins. Yes. The guy I, is a riot. I, I, I told him, this is probably our most requested interview I've ever seen. He's been just dominating the conversation online. Absolutely hilarious guy. This interview is fantastic. Tons of good, good humor, but great substance, too. This, yeah. guy is, this guy is everything that you want in a citizen legislator. Truly. Yeah, good to be able to have a little bit of fun, mm -hmm. because, you know, in our introduction there, our, our long national nightmare is over. Yep. We finally have a new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. Um, guys, what do we think of that? <laughs> Thank God. <honestly. laughs> I mean, there could not be a more apt opener where, you know, this... It, ridiculous embarrassment that we essentially had where Democrats are just high-fiving every day because yeah. the news cycle is essentially Republicans can't govern. It's over. It's over. We can we, we finally have a speaker. We can take the fight to the Dems when they are responsible for the inflation that we have in this mm -hmm. country, the crime that we have in the country, mm -hmm. the foreign policy disasters that we have. We finally can be united as a party and hold them accountable and the vote appears unanimous right i mean every single republican from what i saw supported him which i think there was a high level of fatigue that was growing yep. throughout yeah. the week members were just like let's get this over with let's yep. just get a speaker and let's move on with life and there are so many things that we have to deal with israel appropriations everything else underneath that and now that we've got Mike Johnson, sounds like sounds like a pretty conservative guy. You know, I text with a handful of people who are up there on the Hill. They all seem to like him. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people were joking that I had to Google his name to figure out who he was. But maybe that was the secret to his success. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sort of flying under the radar a little bit. Well, it feels good to be able to get back to playing offense yep. rather than defense. And guys, we got a great show for you today. We're going to start with the five stars, obviously, winners of the week. We'll talk more about our new speaker, um, you know, the conflict in Israel, um, a little bit about inflation. And we got some good animal news. So overall, great show. Mm -hmm. Great show. But we are missing our friend. We are missing our friend. Can't wait to see him again. Before we get to all of that, I wanted to remind everyone we're going to be in Miami. That's right. Oh, that's right. We've got uh, the debate. The third Republican debate will be there in Miami. We're going to be there for a happy hour uh, the night before the debate. We have a uh, pregame show, mm -hmm. and then we got a debate watch party that we're hoping. There's a lot of minions in Florida that want to attend those things. We got tickets. They're, what, 10 bucks? Yeah, it's the best deal, like, ever. <laughs> we did not account for inflation. <laughs> When we set the price to 10 bucks, but it's truly, it's the best deal you're going to find. We're going to have a great time. Looking forward to seeing everyone there. Yeah. Yeah. So go to ruthlesspodcast.com. You'll see up there in the navigation, Miami tickets. If you're going to be there in Miami for the third Republican debate, you won't want to miss it. 
buy your tickets, come hang out with the fellas. We got a lot of action. And again, for folks, that's Wednesday, November 8th is the debate, but we are going to have the pregame. You don't want to miss it. Millions of Americans earn and use credit card rewards. A few big box retailers want to take those rewards away. Rewards we use on groceries and school supplies. The cash back to save on gas and grow our small businesses. And travel miles we use to make memories. The so-called Credit Card Competition Act would eliminate credit card rewards. No more travel miles, no more cash back. When lawmakers help mega retailers line their pockets, we pay for it. Tell your lawmaker to vote no on the big box bill. Visit handsoffmyrewards.com to take action today. All right, well, let's get right into it. Uh, We start every Thursday with the five stars and the voice. Okay, this first one, fellas, comes from Jay-Z from Tennessee, uh, and the title is Animal News Submission. And Jay-Z writes, I will start by saying that I found the program through the incomparable Megyn Kelly over a year ago. I subscribed that day and have not missed an episode since of the Ruthless Variety program. As a classical liberal who escaped the People's Republic of Michigan 27 years ago and sought the refuge of the free state of Tennessee, I could not be more appreciative of the fellas. In addition to being a fellow traveler of the Bourbon Trail. Nice. Um, yeah, you lo- got to love that. I, too, am a, uh, I too am a believe in the animal uprising. As I write this, I am sitting in a Tokyo Starbucks, quote, here for work, mm-hmm. after listening to the wonderful Tim Scott interview. Wow, this, this is real time. Yeah. Because Tim Scott was just last week, and it was a terrific interview. Uh, he says, I bought an English version of the Japan Times and a headline on the front page. Bear-related deaths and injuries at record level reaching 158. The article goes on to blame a, quote, bad cop bad crop of nuts that bears feed on as the root cause in other words the filthy bears are unhappy with the food source god provided for them and they're mounting an offensive for ours wow man this guy knows he, he what he's talking it. about as a strong second amendment advocate i just want to point out the japanese are unarmed and virtually helpless to repel these unprovoked and organized assaults thank god for the good old u.s of a keep up the good work fellas jay-z in tennessee via japan Outstanding. wow yeah. yeah, yeah, we're big in Japan. Yeah. You love to see it. Yeah. Uh, Smug, what do you got? So this is from PNW Daniel. Uh, the title is, My Disney Husband Changed Himself. Uh, they write, My husband and I are former Disney cast members, and while I rarely visit the parks, my husband will sometimes visit when he's in town, alone. Hmm. Tonight, <laughs> while on a visit home to Orlando, he went to the Magic Kingdom by himself and took ridiculous photos hugging a light post, standing in front of a child on the parade route, flying single on Dumbo up and down, each photo with hashtag charges plastered across. (laughs) (laughs) He pretends he doesn't listen to you guys, but I know he does. Keep up the good work, guys. We've been waiting for something like Ruthless for a long time. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Fantastic. Uh, Final one here from Mark Humby. The title is Garfield the Bear. Mark writes... You guys are all pro-war neocons when it comes to man's encounters with animals. He's right. <laughs> I, will, I will come around to your view when I see a bear microwave the frozen lasagna it steals out of the freezer. I discovered the program on Megyn Kelly, and I thank God that I did. Keep telling it like it is, not as political cheerleaders, but veterans in the trenches. Look forward to Thursday's banger of an episode. Awesome. Oh, man. Well, I hope we don't disappoint. 
I hope we don't disappoint. Um, well, it's Thursday. A lot of news this week. And uh, it means we got to get to our winners of the week. Ashbrook, who do you got? So I, uh, you know, I always, I always try to look at the field very closely when choosing a winner of the week, and I often choose uh, President Trump because he has been so dominant throughout the cycle. But I also try to look for other candidates and and what they're doing out there. And this week, Nikki Haley caught my attention because she is surging in the polls. She is now even with Ron DeSantis in a number of polls in these early states. She is working her tail off. And I think that Nikki Haley, it could surprise some people in Iowa in early January. So Nikki Haley, winner of the week. Okay. Interesting pick. Smug. Uh, Well, because this is probably the first time Ashbrook didn't pick President Trump. It gives me the opportunity to pick President Trump as the winner of the week. Okay. I think, you know, we saw over the past week as as this mayhem for the speakership continues to unfold. It seemed the most critical uh, factor in, in, in so many of these votes that were happening is, do you have the support of President Trump? That was is extremely critical for, for the folks who are trying to become speaker. And I think that's telling because it, it shows he still has a very important, even outsized voice in the Republican Party. So I, I think his bona fides can't be questioned given just that. And now, I mean, we I, I kind of hinted at this when I said the urgency that these candidates have to start feeling going into this third debate of, you know, the field's going to winnow. You got to start deciding whether you actually have a shot at trying to, like, you know, take on the reigning champ. You, if, are you going to become the king of the hill? You got to beat the king, you know? And time seems like it's starting to run out. If these candidates don't start making big moves, getting a lot of attention and gaining a lot of momentum, I mean, the same way Nikki's gotten a ton of momentum, Mm -hmm. you know? But for some of these other candidates, if you can't take on Trump, you're going to have to start thinking about an exit. And I think that speaks to the strength that Trump has. Okay, uh, dear listener, um, now you get my uh, pick for winner of the week, and it involves attacking both of my co-hosts. Let's uh, so number one, first of all, and just to, to peel back the curtain for our listeners here, you know, we submit our winners of the week like gentlemen in a Slack channel and Smug submitted his. I submitted mine and Ashbrook kind of played cute and didn't tell everybody what he was going to Ashbrook do. Ashbrook submitted his early. Thank you. Right on time, right after mine. Before the and show. I think Duncan was out still. I mean, know, this is just completely fake. This is just completely fake. Completely fake. So you didn't do your homework. Just what, I mean, what John Ashbrook saw, saw in the slack is that I had picked Nikki Haley. Oh, I actually didn't know. Oh, that. he didn't know that. He didn't know that. He's going to no, say he's going to feign ing- ignorance now and say he. And then he took all the talking points of why Nikki Haley clearly did win the week. And I think oh, that so is true. So you agree with me. Well, I think you actually missed a few key points here. So let me illuminate okay. uh, the situation for you the can't audience. Nikki, Astro picked Nikki. No, I'm picking Nikki because that was my pick, All right, and well. it validates my selection. Yeah. Um, so you're picking Ashbrook one of the week. So, so there's 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 a couple. <laughs> I, this show is just goofing on me. I don't even think, guys. Uh, for our listeners here, you got to understand that there's the show, and then there's the meta show. Yeah. And the meta show is all these guys playing pranks on me <laughs> throughout the show. 
<laughs> so I hope everybody enjoys that. Um, <laughs> How could you not? But I, I mean, the reason why I think Nikki is the winner of the week, um, in addition to what you said, which I think was astute, uh, John, is I think you're starting to see with her rise um, other candidates having to respond to her. You've mm-hmm. seen DeSantis have to respond to her. You're seeing Tim Scott having to change his tactics, mm-hmm. his whole strategy of his campaign. Now they're saying they're all in on Iowa. Mm-hmm. And he's a distant fourth. Tim Scott is a distant fourth in South Carolina. Nikki now clearly in the lead, like like outside the margin of error in, in South Carolina in second place. Mm-hmm. I think the race has fundamentally changed as a result of her rise. Uh, so I, 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 I think she's the winner of the week because of that. I think Trump, from a political standpoint, Smug, you're absolutely right. In a political standpoint, he commands uh, the respect of a lot of those members in the House and all these votes for speaker clearly show that. I think the inverse of that, the flip side of that is the profound legal peril that Donald Trump finds himself in. In this week, Cheesebro, Cheesebro, Cheeseboro. I don't know. One of his lawyers, Mm -hmm. he pled guilty to the case in Georgia. Uh, Jenna Ellis uh, got a plea deal. Uh, Sidney Powell got a plea deal. And in the federal case, I believe Mark Meadows just got immunity. Mm -hmm. Doesn't look good on the legal side for Donald Trump right now. So I have a hard time seeing him as being winner of the week with all that legal peril hanging like a sword of Damocles over his head. Mm -hmm. I think people have to you know, recognize that it that that is a serious situation involving Donald Trump, despite all the political success he's seeing now, both with the clout he has in the House and the huge, huge lead he has in the polls in the Republican primary. So for that reason, Nikki, my winner of the week. Can, can I go on a little bit of a tangent? Go right here? ahead, yeah. pal. Man, I can't so, wait for this. Something that I've been thinking about as we see these polls, because there have been all these polls showing the weakness of Biden mm-hmm. in a general election, and that all sounds great. And then you start seeing these polls that have RFK peeling off more support from in a, in a supposed head-to-head, Trump and Biden. You see RFK as an independent candidate putting more votes from Trump than from Biden. I don't know who the like geniuses were behind thinking that, oh, wow, this is a great idea of, of let's try to come up with a candidate who we're acting like should appeal to conservatives and is actually a socialist. He's a Kennedy mm-hmm. right. to begin with. Yeah, radical environmentalist. <laughs> I mean, like, this is a disaster. There's got to be, a, like, you know, I remember in New York, to get on the ballot, you'd petition, so there'd be a way to handle with with clowns of, you knock them off the ballot, right, with, with uh, at the petitioning step. You challenge the petitions. And you saw Democrats doing this across the country when, when Biden was running, of knocking off the third party camps, whether they're Working Families Party or yeah. Green Party or whatever, because, uh, you know, what's her name? Jill, whoever, Jill Stein. Jill Stein yeah. uh, peeled votes away from Hillary. And so Democrats have actively tried to make sure that doesn't happen to them by knocking off these third party camps. And how many, like, uh, congressional races have we seen that a libertarian ends up screwing the Republican mm-hmm. because yeah. they'll pull off like half of 1% and then the Democrat wins by half of 1%. So I think that's a huge concern. Uh, I, 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 I've i started seeing some conservatives being like, hey, everybody, in case you missed it, RFK is just like a rabid socialist. I think you should know, tell your friends. I think that's critical, but this is a mess. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's sort of the chickens coming home to roost, though, in some 
sense because I think there were a lot of folks, particularly Trump-aligned folks online, that were really boosting RFK mm-hmm. um, because he was running in the primary against Biden. Yep. Right. And uh, now you see sort of the 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 other side of that, which unfortunately means it could impact Donald Trump even more. Tough, 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 tough situation. Tough deal. Tough, tough deal. Um, all right. Well, let's get into the biggest uh, news of the day. That is Mike Johnson becoming Speaker of the House. He won that vote on the floor, 220 to 209. Um, to your point earlier, Ashbrook, a lot of fatigue within the conference after going through all of these votes in conference, you know, closed door votes and a lot of car mines, a lot of pizza, a lot of yelling at each other. We're finally at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this caps a week that began with nine candidates, Mike Johnson being one of them. And I got to tell you, a handful of people were reaching out to me on Monday saying they thought Mike Johnson was going to be the guy who made it through. There are a couple of conservative radio hosts who text on a regular basis. They seem to like him. They're not even from Louisiana, but they were familiar with him and his background. And there were other other conservatives in the House of Representatives who liked him, you yeah. know. And and I think you know Emmer Emmer gave it a shot. Um, he had a, you know a handful of detractors uh, inside the conference. It ultimately didn't work out for him. There are a bunch of others who who gave it a shot. It didn't work out for them either. But I I think that this is this is a, obviously a, a very good development for House Republicans because it means they can get back to work and it means that they can focus on the things that all of them are telling us they actually want to focus mm-hmm. on. Was it ultimately the right move to axe McCarthy in the middle of September, October in the off year? It seems like a gigantic waste of time to me. Yeah. But um, they have they've solved the problem after much, much angst and trial and tribulation. And I think that Johnson uh, gives us a good shot at, at, at moving forward. I don't know what you guys think. Well, I mean, I like I said, the amount of relief that Republicans actually have a speaker, because I think this is a very critical time, not just as a result of, you know, the chaos that we find ourselves in, whether it's Americans who have been killed and kidnapped abroad, uh, whether it's the horrible state of the economy that, you know, Biden, Senate Democrats, the whole all, all the Dems in this country are responsible and supported all these problems that Americans find themselves facing. And the fact that Republicans right right now, when folks are beginning to tune into elections, starting to pay attention, you know, kids have gone to school, everyone's back in work mode, they're paying attention to these things, that right now, when they first start forming their opinions, voters see Republicans are ungovernable. And not yeah. in the good way, because I support never being governable, but in, 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 be ungovernable, but in the sense of- Not in a literal a, sense. Yeah, not a speaker, <laughs> at least, you know, because yeah. the, 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 the result of- Republicans taking the House is we saw all these all this information come out about Joe Biden from those investigations where, Mm -hmm. you know, just recently uh, House Oversight presented a check from Joe Biden's brother to him for two hundred thousand dollars the same day that he got a wire in his account shows okay this whole time we're told oh the media says there's no direct line there's no smoking gun there it is Phil Bump completely beclowns himself trying to say that there's no proof of corruption we wouldn't know any of these things if republicans had not taken the house yeah and the thing is is when you go through this period of of 
absurdity of not having a speaker, of not being able to move the ball on any of this stuff, you're only hurting yourself. I, I think that's important for people to realize, especially our listeners, Republicans, conservatives writ large, is, and Ashbrook talks about this all the time, it's an uphill battle every day to get your message out through a corrupt media that wants to say Democrats are right and you're wrong. Mm -hmm. It gets even harder when you're creating stories of Republican infighting yep. that takes up all the oxygen in the room. And to your point, Smug, Jamie Comer puts out a tweet, you know, a couple of days ago about the direct link yep. between Joe Biden's brother and this client he had who wired him $200,000 in the same day that money, exact same amount, $200,000, yep. is wired from his mm -hmm. brother to Joe Biden. Right. Right. And we haven't talked about that at all. Right. Right. Be because right. because all we've been talking about is Carmine's pizza and closed door meetings and who's going to be the next speaker. Right. Right. Every and journo has basically been breathlessly waiting outside this conference room with their head, you know, ear against the door. Yeah. Being like breaking. They've ordered pizzas like that has taken over the attention as opposed to just like Duncan says, there's obvious evident corruption and the, the, the fact that right now we have such an opportunity to hold this administration accountable, where you see all their policy failures, domestic and abroad. You talk to like the polling that you're seeing out there for Americans of how do you feel economically? I don't remember seeing it this bad hmm. in 2008. You know, what's so wild about that smug is that I don't recall last night when Mike Johnson was basically elected internally. The first question wasn't about inflation or the economy or how are you guys going to be able to hold on to your majority. The first question was about the 2020 election. Yeah, yeah. Here, first thing, more oh, from that. This. Let me just read it real quick. This is how the left is framing uh, Johnson's victory as the new Speaker of the House. Johnson was the lead organizer of an amicus brief ultimately signed by 125 other House Republicans backing the Texas-led lawsuit asking the Supreme Court to intervene in the vote counting in key swing states Biden won. Hmm. Not how we're going to fix the broken border, not how we're going to tackle inflation, not what is your message to Israel with this conflict in Gaza. We're talking about the 2020 election. First thing they shout out. The yeah. first thing they shout out, which goes to the point of what do you think that the media, which is largely staffed by Democrats, what do you think they're interested in? And you know the question that I haven't heard shouted out at Karine Jean-Pierre? Tell us about this $200,000 check that yeah. we're all looking at. Nobody's, nobody asked her what he spent it on. And, and Nobody asked her, like, where it came from or what it's for or, or aren't you concerned that this makes it look even more like he's got a problem? Nobody asks that stuff. And that's the thing is because the media wants to frame that as the narrative because they saw how unpopular challenging the 2020 election was in the midterms. So the media knows, OK, if we can try to paint it this way for 2024, maybe we can keep this game going to try to hurt Republicans. What the media also will never ask is. Hakeem Jeffries, you said the 2016 election was illegitimate and that Russia stole it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ask any of the Democrats. Who Never asked. So 200 Democrats have voted uh, for speaker for an individual who said that the 2020 or 2016 election was illegitimate and stolen by Russia. What are your thoughts on this? You don't hear that. And you actually see the opposite, which right. the hilarity is if you do a simple Google search, Hakeem Jeffries challenging electoral. The first result is Time Magazine, why Republicans' attacks on King Jeffries are misleading. <laughs> right. Jeffries said the 2016 election was illegitimate because of Russian influence. Yet calling him an election denier is misleading. Uh, <laughs> it's a press it's release. It's like the, the only 
news you can get about their election denialism is a fact check about why their case is special and different. Exactly. And it always has been that way. It's a press release. It exposes corporate media for what it is. It's an arm of the Democrat Party. And that is why it's so easy to work a job as Democrat press secretary, because when you're sending a press release, you're sending an internal email among colleagues. This is not actually like send something out and call reporters and hope that your quote gets in the fourth paragraph. You send it out and they call you and they ask where on the front page that you would like your press release placed. Yeah. So so we should get to Israel and Hamas because it's an it's an important illustration of of what we've just discussed here now. uh, This is from Jewish Insider. Many House Democrats decline to directly criticize Rep Tlaib after she doubles down on Gaza hospital blast misinformation. So we had a few reporters asking around you know, to the House Democratic Conference. Hey, do you think maybe this was ill-advised? Mm-hmm. Do you think maybe she got this one wrong? Not a lot of members out there who are willing to, I don't know. Wild. Contradict it's, her in spreading Hamas misinformation. And, and and this is especially critical and important to bring up because of the fact that you have a sitting member of Congress in the United States who pushes out a, an absolute lie, provable lie, yeah. That nine different like countries have, have done their own forensic research. Major publications have done the forensic research. This was uh, Hamas firing uh, their own rocket, mm-hmm. hitting their own people. And she continues to push a lie that 500 individuals were killed by an Israeli airstrike. That lie yeah. carries a lot of weight because it leads to riots across the world. At U.S. embassies. At U.S. embassies. In Iraq in other places around the Middle East, putting American lives in danger. She did that. And and that direct connection is very critical because she essentially, if you see, was the, the, the critical mass for this lie between Hamas putting it out there to it getting out in the media and then causing these riots and American lives to be put at risk. And not only is she not being held accountable, Democrats act like they don't even have to talk. So, so here we still there's still American hostages yeah, being held right. by this terrorist group that she's cheering. Like for. imagine running cover for these terrorists as they're holding Americans hostage in Gaza. I, I can't imagine it's, unco- it. it's unconscionable stuff. Um, here's her direct quote from the article. This is Talib. She quote cannot uncritically accept Israel's denials of responsibility as fact. And quote. The Israeli and United States governments have long documented histories of misleading the public about wars and war crimes. That's what she says. Incredible. That's what she says. And uh, two of her colleagues, um, Reps uh, Moskowitz and Manning, criticized her. All other House Democrats interviewed for the story underscored the U.S. intelligence shown Islamic Jihad was responsible. But th- and here's the kicker. This is the most depressing part of the whole thing but wouldn't criticize their colleague for promoting Hamas misinformation. They need to be pressed on this. They won't publicly say, hey, maybe don't spew misinformation from a terrorist organization that decapitates babies. House Democrats don't have the courage to go on the fucking record to say that. Right. If you are a House Republican press secretary and you're hearing from a reporter who says, yeah, but internal conflict is actually interesting. Our editors want internal conflict. Republicans are fighting against each other. That's what happens. Well, this is what happens when Democrats don't fight against each other or do fight. You have you have internal conflict among Democrats right now. There are, there are those who support Hamas 
And to their credit, there are those who do not. However, they're not being forced to like stay state what it is that they think. So every single moderate Democrat should be put on the record. Do you support Hamas? Do you not support Hamas? And what do you think about Rashida Tlaib? Every single one of them should condemn everything that she's doing. And right I think, now. you know, I think it should be taken a step further where, again, by the grace of God, Republicans have a Speaker of the House. And what this allows us to do is it's time to hold her accountable. This is completely absurd. Yeah. Pushing this lie that it put directly, that directly put American lives at risk overseas and domestic, like you're seeing here in the United States, I mean, across campuses, the, the, the anti-Semitism that the left has just pushed out into the open, it's, that she is dude, completely it, manifest. It, it, it's, it is continuing over and over and over again. We saw at George Washington University yeah, uh, the other night. There were They were projecting these, some some like group of lunatics was projecting well, they're these students, anti-Semitic, so yeah, they're, they're lunatics. These yeah. anti-Semitic sayings Wolf, on Wolf, the board. Wolf, let's put that uh, still up for the viewers here. Okay, so what we have here at George Washington University, and this, again, is in Washington, D.C. Yeah, just blocks from the White House. Just blocks from the White House projection. Glory to our martyrs. Glory to our martyrs. Glory to the people that decapitate babies, rape women, and storm a music festival for peace to murder people. Glory to them. I mean, that could be the closed captioning for uh, uh, an ISIS you know right. video yeah glory to our martyrs is insane and uh there was another projection that they put up there uh from the river to the sea right again palestine um, will be free which is just that is a again, straight up call for genocide again to our listeners what they what they mean when they say that from the river to the sea is from the jordan river to the sea to the mediterranean sea the entire width of israel as it exists today they want that. They want the death of every Jew who, is, who lives in that land, and they want all the land. It is a genocidal chant. It's just insane. And, and that's what's happening at college campuses. And I think, again, you know, now that Republicans have a speaker, the very least is censure her. I mean, she should be dragged in front of Congress, asked directly. Censure her, remove her from all of her remove committees, her from kick, office. Her, kick her out of the chamber. Get her, right. get rid of her. Well, I think she, I think at a minimum, at a minimum, uh, somebody needs to run against her and kick her out of Congress. Like there, there has to be somebody in Michigan who can run as an American against Hamas I, dude, to I, defeat her. I just don't know if that's possible in that district. We, we, we played the video in Dearborn, Michigan, of all the people at the uh, theater waving the Palestinian flags and saying all of the Hamas chants. Well, it was worse. There was a flag that uh, was being waved that initially folks thought, oh, that's the ISIS uh, flag. Here's, but it was actually the Taliban flag. So oh, there you go. Here's okay. the thing. If you had an unbiased press, they would be pushing the DCCC to explain how it is they're going to run against her as a super controversial candidate. They do this to Republicans at the NRCC. Mm -hmm all the time here's a controversial candidate we've defined them as controversial what are you doing to run against them so that they don't bring down the rest of the ticket i like nobody's that. asking them that question I nobody's like that. putting the onus on hakeem jeffries yeah saying like hey man i know that you say you're with israel and all that but like what are you doing to get this hamas cheerleader out of your caucus nobody's even pressing him on that we, we have an update of a few people who are pushing back on uh, the anti-Semitism in higher education right now. Ron Lauder, billionaire, yanked funding from UPenn. 
Yeah, he doesn't mess around. He doesn't mess around. Uh, you know, he's very pro-Israel, huge, yeah. huge donor to UPenn and yeah. to, to Republicans writ large. Yeah, he's always been very, very good about these issues. Yeah, and and Larry Hogan, you know, former governor of Maryland, uh, withdraws from the Harvard Fellowship over campus's anti-Semitic vitriol. And I think this is it. I, I mean, I think we need to see a lot more of this because for so long, the thing is, is uh, the left tried to turn this into a joke of like, oh, conservatives are saying that campuses are crazy. They're ridiculous. We're seeing what's happened. They've turned into just left wing indoctrination centers where you have students projecting terrorist slogans on their library yeah. because they feel like this is, uh, you know, this is what everyone thinks. And, and I feel comfortable being able to say these things. So the, the time has come. There needs to be a reckoning because right now you see that, you know, colleges have, have gotten, number one, they're so expensive because they're jam-packed full of these DEI officers. That's where the money has been going. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's why, well, you know, you, the student loan issue that, you know, they want taxpayers to pay for is not a result of, oh, wow, you know, trying to get a degree from college is so expensive because... Well, why? The answer is because yeah. of this. Diversity, equity, and inclusion for everybody but Jews. Right. Like that that's literally the motto of those of that philosophy. And I really think it's time to dismantle that. Because bullshit. we're not we're not talking really here about freedom of speech. We're talking about lunatics who are glorifying That's terrorists. exactly right. Right? And this has real world consequences. Wolf, um, can we play clip one? This is a Jewish man who was uh, assaulted in Skokie, Illinois. Yeah, so this is the sort of thing we're seeing all over the country right now, mm -hmm. you know, is it's not just happening on college campuses, people mm -hmm. signing petitions. There's people being attacked in this country yeah. because they're Jewish. Yeah, and it's awful. And there was there's a video of a lady who's riding her bike in D.C. and some guy stopped right in front of her and her kids and just like calling out of the car at her, yelling at her. It was like, you're a Jew, you're the devil. Wow. I mean, I mean it's awful. I mean, uh, and again, it goes back to, I, uh, you know, seeing this news where it says... Ron Lauder is, is yanking his funding. Larry Hogan's withdrawing from the Harvard program. This is the stuff that has to be done. Like, d donors have to start cutting off the funding. Anyone, any way, if you're associated with this, you've got to cut yourself out of this because these universities for so long have allowed this kind of garbage mm -hmm. to take over their campuses. And then, you know, for all, these are the, sa the sa these same kids mm -hmm. right here who are spending their time in college essentially just studying how to be a terrorist, you know, and 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 push BLM and and uh, anti-Semitic messaging. Now they want you to pay for their education. Mm. They want to put that all on taxpayers. Yeah. Because this is this is the system of of the left essentially capturing they they captured corporations, captured higher education. This is what they do. And we're seeing the results of it. So when you see so many folks being surprised, like, oh, I can't believe this is happening on campuses. Where have you been? Yeah. And now we have terrorists attacking American military bases abroad. Yeah. So this is an exclusive from NBC. It, was on, it came out on Tuesday. Two dozen American military personnel were wounded last week in a series of drone attacks at American bases in Iraq and Syria. Jeez. Yeah. Um, the Pen Pentagon confirmed the attacks last week, but the number of U.S. casualties has not been previously disclosed. 20 American personnel sustained minor in, uh, injuries on October 18th, when at least 
two one-way attack drones targeted a military base in southern Syria. One of the drones was shot down. So we know uh, from our conversation earlier this week with Brian Hook, who was a a special envoy on Iran issues at the State Department, we know that the Iranians are funding these efforts to test us over and over again. So I'm really glad you mentioned that, Ashbrook, and I think it's one of the greatest value adds I think our show provides is you hear what the news is going to be tomorrow on this show today. Brian warned us about all of this stuff. And then this story pops up later after the fact. We have that clip from the interview from Monday. Let's play that. But, you know, we've had a lot of attacks over the last three, four, five days against uh, Iranian proxies have attacked U.S. targets in yeah. Iraq and Syria. Yeah, but then shooting, shooting rockets down left and right, too. Yeah. If we don't respond to that, it, that sort of lack of response will invite more Iranian aggression. Right. And the Iranians always probe with bayonets. Mm-hmm. They're very Marxist in that way. You know, you probe with bayonets, and if you hit mush, you keep going, and if you hit steel, you pull back. So they are testing their limits. And we have to start pushing that back. There are ways to do that. Um, There has to be the political will to do that. I think that's how you deter a broader war that we would get dragged into. It's an important point, Mm -hmm. right? Is that if you don't respond in kind as these Iranian proxies are trying to test you and see where the line is, you might get dragged into a real conflict, Mm -hmm. which would consume most of the Middle East. Yeah, and I think, I mean, it. they, the Iranian government says death to America over and over and over again. When are we going to take them at their word and try our best to stop it from happening? And also, why didn't we hear President Biden say anything about this during you, his... You know, yeah, why why, why, why is it that Brian that. Hook has to come on the Ruthless Variety program mm-hmm. and insinuate that we're going to hear all of this news, and then NBC has an exclusive the next day detailing exactly what happened. I'll tell you what it is. It's that the Biden administration has holdovers from Obama's administration who are sympathetic to the Iranian government. Yeah. Not, this is not the Iranian people. One of the things that I thought was very interesting that, that Brian Hook made clear is that there is a huge difference between 75% of the people who live in Iran are just like going about their daily lives in this radical government who is taking their money and using it to carry out extreme missions across the world that like satisfy their bloodlust and hate for Americans and Israelis and everybody in between. Jeez. Well, it's not a lot of good news, and so we got to lighten it up, fellas. We got to do it. We got to get to the animal news. Okay? Finally. What we got here is a real doozy. The title is Dog Mauled Owner After Being Fed THC Gummy. This is <laughs> from uh, thesmokinggun.com. McDaniel always finds the most unique places to draw his content from. I appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, from the article, after feeding a THC-laced gummy to her pet Rottweiler, a Michigan woman was attacked by the dog during an hour-long ordeal that left the victim grievous, grievously injured and her home drenched in blood, according to an incident report that reads like a horror film treatment. Mm. The attack earlier this month inside a Gaylord residence prompted local animal control officials to warn that THC, the psychoactive component in cannabis, is considered toxic to dogs and can cause aggression. <laughs> Animals are dangerous. I don't, I, don't know, I don't know what else to tell you. If they're given the opportunity, they will take the advantage. 
I, I, I just like people think that every single animal because I have because they have a calendar that shows puppies and kittens and baby ducks. That means that every animal that they encounter is going to be fluffy and friendly. Okay, okay, not well, the well, case. Well, counterpoint here, uh, Rottweiler. You know those can be aggressive dogs. I get it; they're big uh, dogs, right? But you would think, one would think, a THC gummy might mellow the puppy out. Uh, this to me is a series of poor decisions like <laughs> getting a rottweiler number, number one, one. Ex- number one. Yeah. like this is some, some small lady she's like why don't i get a big dog who could eat me if it ever made the choice well to. maybe she uses protection Just get a gun guns okay. you know guns aren't gonna go crazy guns don't bite you yeah you, 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 they don't care about gummies that has no effect and then she's like i'm gonna roll the dice even further what happens when you give the dog weed yeah you know like What's the thinking here? Yeah, just a science experiment. It's like building a paper mache <laughs> volcano. Yeah, you know, it's nothing can go wrong. Okay, but again, and again, like, in her defense, I don't, I, I don't. I've seen a lot of people who get high. I don't think a lot of them are violent. Yeah, but that's a, that's a human. You've got a hundred pounds of teeth and muscle that you decided to bring home as a pet, yeah. and you're like, now I'll give it drugs. We're gonna make them Cheech and Chong. Yeah, right. like <laughs> I, I wonder what could happen if 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 I make this large animal built for destruction. <laughs> possibly volatile dumb dumb and, dumb and, and, put her in the darwin awards yeah. i don't know if you guys remember that book the darwin awards that would oh, come yeah. out from time to time people did dumb things and they got hurt because of it she belongs right inside of that book yeah it says right here uh the dog weighed 82 pounds and was quote lunging and growling and trying to bite i mean what did you think was going to happen honestly like number one just who gets a rottweiler to begin with you have to anticipate there's going to be violence you know get a, mm. get, get a normal dog i'm not saying one of those like horrible you know little white poodle boomer dogs get a normal dog but if, if you're picking the rottweiler it's basically just saying i like trouble it's the same okay. thing as like a pit bull okay. i want trouble okay so here more from the article it sort of confirms what i was th- thinking after a week in the hospital the woman was released and began recuperating at her father's home the man told animal control officers that his daughter was going through a bad divorce and the dog was very stressed the man added <laughs> the, do- the dog was stressed the dog after was the stressed. divorce uh, well, you know, dogs are, dog very, was stressed. dogs are very perceptive. They pick up what you're putting out. So if you're stressed, the dog will be stressed. The dog's going through a tough divorce. It's true. I, I mean, you know, watch Caesar Milan. Caesar Milan knows what he's talking about. He'll tell you that. The man added that uh, he was he was the one who bought the dog some gummies, apparently believing that they would mellow out the canine. Like a Xanax. <laughs> but, but again, that's the thing. They're like, why isn't this crazy ass... You know, essentially, it's a monster. It's a domesticated monster that's jaws and teeth <laughs> and violence, right? Why did? Why do you need to mellow it out? Because you got a a, a creature built for violence, you and know, now you're hoping that the gummy's gonna solve the problem. There's another way to mellow a dog. Take it for a walk. You know, don't sit on your ass and watch Netflix all day and think that your dog, who is built to kill things for a <laughs> living, is all of kill. a sudden gonna be like, oh, well, you know, give me that THC gummy and I'll watch Netflix with you. Take it for a walk for a mile, run it around, throw it a ball for crying out loud, run, get the energy out of that thing. Don't just like let it spool and spool and spool and then say, oh man, I'm sitting on my couch. I don't know why it's biting me on the neck for crying out loud. And also, I think I can tell a lot more about this story than what you initially see by this line. I think, you know, maybe the cause of the divorce, a lot of this, her her husband sounds like the same person. It says... Uh, this is from the article. Her estranged husband initially asked to, quote, rescue and rehabilitate the dog, oh. but eventually asked, quote, if he could take the dog and shoot it. 
it was humanely euthanized instead. I mean, oh. he, he got it. That's the thing is, okay. okay so he, it, you're saying he handled the problem. That's the problem is we made a bad decision, but it's not too late to fix the decision. I think he made. quit on the dog just like he quit on his marriage. Well, I mean, listen, when, like you've got, when you're dealing with a, a wife who's trying to see what happens when you give weed to the murder <laughs> animal... I mean, I don't, I, know. Gotta, and, I don't know what can be done. You, you, if you do not properly take care of animals, they will not act the way they're supposed to act. I mean, it's it's as simple as that. I think that. you're being soft on terror. Essentially, if you have an animal and it doesn't do what you want, you get rid of it. Because I, at the end of the day, they're the animal and you're the person. Well, that's my point. That's my point. This is boomer laziness. Yeah. <laughs> Boomers think everything's handed to them. Just give me my social security. Just give me all these things that are easy. Oh, we're going to get like, letters. Here, we're getting and, emails right now. And here's this dog. You know, that should be easy too. Uh, I mean, again, I got to reiterate. You have to know, make the relationship clear. Who's the human? Who's the animal? If they do something that you don't want, you can end them. That's within your rights, and that's the way humanity has worked and the reason we exist. Wow. Okay, well, we have to get to one more story here. (laughs) (laughs) It's a tough transition. Um, Okay, well, uh, this is uh, from YouGov. It's a a new poll. It says, "The, the Middle East is at war, but prices remain Americans' number one issue. No surprise, really, there. More from the article. In the weekly Economist YouGov poll that was conducted just before Hamas attacked Israel and set off the war, the issue top of mind for most of Americans was inflation and prices. It was named by 23% of Americans as the most important issue for them. Mm-hmm. Um, none of the other 14 issues um, you know, had more than 11%. Wow, that's huge. Uh, national security was just 4%. Mm-hmm. And one per- less than 1% named foreign policy overall. Hmm. Hmm. And I think this polling, this is really critical because this polling, they separate the idea of jobs in the economy from inflation slash prices as two separate issues. Because the number one issue being identified by people in this poll was inflation and prices. Mm -hmm. And again, this is a tremendous opportunity for Republicans, given that it's been Republicans or uh, that's been Democrats and their policies, which have been driving prices up with their ridiculous spending. That we can hold them accountable. Thank God we finally have a speaker. Like, well, and it's, now's the time. But the Biden administration isn't doing anything about it. They're spinning in the face of it. And it's probably why there was a USA Today number that came out just a, a week ago that showed that 70% of the people in this country think that our government is on the wrong track. It's mm. because inflation is out of control. They're not doing anything about it. They're the, we're on the brink of World War III, and they've got butterfingers. You know, you know what they're doing instead of something about inflation? They are trying to ban gas stoves. Yeah. They are trying to ban hair straighteners or they're trying to ban ceiling fans. Yeah. There was a Fox News story that I saw on Playbook this morning that says they're trying to ban menthol cigarettes. And part of that Fox story, by they're the way, ban menthol cigarettes? Part, of that, part of that Fox story, by the way, was a bunch of Republican consultants saying like, we can win on this. We can win on this stuff because the Biden administration is doing everything they can to change the topic from what people are people care about. They're not even doing anything about about inflation. They're just focused on taking things so, away from people. You know, this poll was conducted right before Hamas attacked Israel. Do you think the last couple of weeks will change any of this? No. Because again, they're not they're not they're not focused on the Middle East. Mm-hmm. They're not focused on inflation. They want to eliminate gas stoves. Yep. They want to eliminate 
hair straighteners. They want to eliminate menthol cigarettes. Like, if they're focused on that, Republicans are going to walk into office. As we speak, Gavin Newsom is in China. He had a a, a meeting with Xi, and and, uh, his people and the media ran with the message of Gavin's meeting with Xi to discuss... uh, climate change and the fentanyl crisis it's like going and meeting with pablo escobar to say what should i do with this cocaine coming yeah. to the country <laughs> you're like what am i going to do with fentanyl i should talk to she he's yeah. going to really help me out here who do you think is flooding this country so like when you have democrats head in the sand to that extent where they're pushing these stupid issues and it, again th- this is so good to see in the poll they said directly that inflation prices is the number one issue not climate change you know not immigration this is the issue that's really in animating uh, voters right now. We, we got to stay on track, stay on message, and drive that home. And, and it's it's that's, been, that's his opportunity. It's been consistent. Nick, can we put up that graphic too of of all the polling they've done on this with inflation and prices way above, way above, way mm-hmm. above everything. Mm-hmm. Even jobs and economy, obviously, way above climate change and the environment. I guess what I'm wondering, guys, is like, you remember with the withdrawal from Afghanistan? Mm-hmm. And what that signaled to the American public writ large wasn't just a a failure of foreign policy, but like a failure of administration, Mm -hmm. like a failure of confidence that Mm -hmm. like you didn't know you had a good hand on the wheel Mm -hmm. of everything. Mm -hmm. And it was reflected in everything else. Right. It, It didn't just impact the American voters' perception of Joe Biden's foreign policy mm-hmm. or his ability to deal with national security challenges. It impacted his com- their confidence in him on everything. Mm-hmm. Do you think we'll see that? I, I don't think we're going to see any of it. Nick, will you put that poll back up? I just want to take one more look at it just to make sure that I'm not blind here. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I don't see anything on there about gas stoves. Uh, <laughs> do you guys see gas stoves on there? Do you Do you see menthol cigarettes on there? I don't I don't see I don't see any of that stuff on there. Yeah. What in the world is the Biden administration doing? Like they they are absolutely out of their minds, not addressing the things that people care about and focused on all the wrong stuff. I mean, I'm I'm starting to hope that, you know, folks are seeing that an example of like the disastrous Afghanistan withdrawal is not like a one off. That, you know, you saw when Biden gave his speech, he tried to connect all these different like, oh, Ukraine and and then, uh, you know, uh, what's happening right now in Israel. That as you know, he said that this is connected because, you know, this is why we're fine. He tried to present that as a plan when they're connected because of incompetence. Mm-hmm. You've shown the world, especially with the Afghanistan withdrawal, that you're a weak leader. You have no idea what you're doing. It confirmed so many people's fears that this is someone who's not all the way there. Yeah. You know, they're they're, they're not a steady hand at the wheel. I do think that this latest round of whether it's it's like Americans are starting to get waves of bad news, whether it's yeah. inflation has gone further up even more, interest rates continue to go like housing prices are the highest now than they have in 28 years, mm-hmm. higher than you know any point during the 2008 That's a great bubble. Point. That's a great you know, point. And then on top of it, okay, you've had Americans murdered by terrorists overseas, mm-hmm. Americans currently being held hostage by terrorists overseas. The Biden administration has shown they don't know what they're doing, and I'm hoping, I'm praying to God, that even among the the, the people who are responsible for electing him, it's starting to sink in that this guy's a disaster. You know the yeah. other thing that they're doing that um, we're going to get to uh, Mike Collins here in a second that he mentioned that blew my mind is they're trying to limit boats to 10 knots within 100 miles ashore. 
So like on the Atlantic yeah. seaboard. Yeah. So think about that for a second. Because you know why they're doing this, by the way? It's apparently from what Colin says, it's because of the right whale mating habits. <laughs> and so like people I don't know if you've ever tried to like navigate a boat over big water, but that's some, a roller coaster. Sometimes you gotta go over yeah. over ten knots. So yeah. like they're basically putting people in a safety hazard. And I mean th- not every boat can get up on plane at 10 knots mm-hmm. in big water. So, like, uh, think about that. This is this is the kind of bullshit that the Biden administration is focused on. Well, it's a perfect segue. We're, we're going to be back with King of the Hill next week when we have a full cast and crew. So we're going to put a pin in that. But let's get to this interview with Mike Collins. We're very lucky today to be joined by Congressman Mike Collins from Georgia, the memer of Congress. <laughs> I appreciate you having me on. Man, we are so, so lucky to have yeah. you. And I mean, the timing could not be better. What we want to know, oh man, this is there, good. Brought you a couple of cards. That's, that's yeah. impressive. Hey, and uh, if, we got if, it. if somebody else needs one, I can. I can <laughs> we're, we're still good to go. <laughs> so you're basically the hottest interview in town. I'm, I'm honestly thrilled that you found a way to make time for us on top of your day job representing yeah. the fine folks in Georgia. W- what can you tell us? What is going on in terms of the speaker situation? Well, I mean, right now we've got plenty of time. So it's it's uh, been a little bit slow up here as far as the uh, actual business that we need to be doing. But, uh, you know, we've put up a few people for speaker, uh, including one yesterday. And, uh, you know, I... Tom Emmer, I mean, he's a good man, I'm sure, but uh, he just, he was the most moderate person that we had. And, uh, and so I could not go that route on that one. And uh, Mike Johnson uh, ran again. He came in second during that, that race with Emmer and uh, put him over the top this time. And, and I feel pretty good that we're going to get him across the finish line just right after lunch. Yeah, well, okay, so today is, the, today is well, we're recording Wednesday, mm-hmm. but by two, by Thursday morning when people are hearing this, you think it's probably Mike Johnson. Yeah, I think down. we, and, and he'll be a good, he'll be a good speaker. Yeah. You know, he's good conservative, has not been there forever, and there were a few things I was looking for as well. Personally, if I could find that person, I thought it would be good. Yeah. And that, that's someone that's not been up here for decades. Mm. That's somebody, you know, if you think of the conference, our conference is around 70% America First Agenda candidates mm. and now representatives. So I was looking for somebody in that mold that actually wants to sit down and run this place like a business. Mm-hmm. You know, sit down, give us goals and objectives to meet. And, and if you can't meet them or you're not meeting them, be willing to say, hey, look, thank you, but you're out. Give me another person. Mm. If you're a committee chair, I, I just think we need to run more of a business structure up here, which I have not seen since I have gotten here. Well, that makes a lot of good sense. I'm wondering, you know, there were so many iterations of this guy's running for speaker, that guy's running for speaker. At what point were you like, hey, I think I think Johnson may have it here? Yeah, uh, probably when he ran against Emmer. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, we, we could see where some, you know, Johnson was hanging in there at second. And there were a few good people in there. I thought Kevin Hearn was is a really good uh, RSC chair mm-hmm. and, and a really good uh, – um, representative mm-hmm. uh, he thinks a lot we think a lot of the same way and we're both business background but uh you know i saw it then i thought wow we get one more cut at this thing 
uh, you get one more scalp, and then then this thing's going to go through. Well, everybody watched the whole process, and they were just like dumbfounded by yeah. how many different how ma- how long can this go on? And luckily, we had you all the way through it. <laughs> Pretty much a silver lining to this. It really, it, it really is process. The one guy who could call a spade a spade, and we got a couple of your a couple of your famous memes that we could throw up on the board. Can you put up number three, Nick? This is the one yeah. that this is the one that really started it all. Yeah. yeah. I'm kind of like Larry the Cable guy, man. That that that's just funny. I don't care who you are. Man. That's just, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so for the for the folks who are on YouTube, this is the meme of the woman looking at her husband while they're, you know, staying up in bed and she's like, he's probably thinking about other women and the guys like, how do they get to 217? Which is essentially the, that's the question that everyone has had on their mind. It is. I just yeah. saying what everybody's thinking. And the funny thing is, I've had so many women come up to me and said God, I really lay there and think about it. Is he thinking about it? I'm like, it was a meme. <laughs> okay. It's so, but you, your your press secretary was out of town, or what's the, what's the real story behind? No, that? she uh, she was getting she got married last okay. Saturday, okay. so she had taken the week off prior to that. Um, a few of us had been feeling a little bit queasy in there, and I was like, "Hey, look, man, you know, let's stay out of the office." And uh, so when she left, and, and you have to go in. If you go in our office, you'll see there's a wall anyway that's got memes on it where these yeah. rascals that work. I mean, there, it looks like a war room. Yeah. You guys are getting business done. There. <laughs> I mean, they're always poking fun at each other with putting their photoshopping memes on there and stuff. So it's uh, it's in our culture in our in our office so you know we had some free time obviously <laughs> and uh we we did that video where i told people if they needed a overpaid tour guide to come on up because i wasn't doing anything <laughs> and it, you know it just kind of started snowballing and uh you know it was from there so i think that's probably a question most people ask this is all you well this is all yeah, you yeah. sending this out I, I've got, uh, I, I got to admit, the Beatles song. Now, I get a little help from my friends. You know, they, <laughs> they, they, we, we've got a good, solid crew. They they hear me, and, and a lot of times I know that I'm talking, but I don't realize how much they actually listen to what I say. And then the next thing I know, they're like, they're, t- they're writing it down. And I say, hey, what do you think? You know, and that it, uh, it's, yeah, it's funny then. <laughs> like, oh, I didn't know I was saying it that way. Okay. <laughs> so uh, real quick, back to the, to the speaker. Nick, can we get image one on there? So my reluctance in supporting Mike Johnson is I think you'd make a fine speaker. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you sound this platform for the folks who aren't on YouTube. This is Well, you want to tell these folks your platform yourself? Yeah, well, you know, just the fact that we need to long, work longer hours in the UAW. You know, and, and I know that's, that's, a, that's funny, but we don't work that many hours up here. It just mm. it boggles my mind why we don't come up here on a Sunday night. Mm-hmm. And then go to work at 7, 8 o'clock in the morning like most America. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, we come in at five six o'clock at night and vote on a post office mm-hmm. and then we actually go to work on tuesday and, and it, you're not going to get anything done that way and so you know it's uh it's a poke at uh at just what we do up here all appropriation bills you know that goes back to my business background they 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 know that i've been saying forever that we shouldn't have taken off august we shouldn't have gone anywhere Hell, I almost quit grade school because the teacher wanted me to take recess. <laughs> <laughs> so one that really seemed to catch fire is you saying, no more having to listen to Frank Luntz oh, yeah. at retreats. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm afraid if I get an opponent, Frank Luntz is going to be doing the polling for my opponent. 
<laughs> he's going to have focus groups. But, but, but I think Ashbrook is right. It seems like, you know, during this lull, a lot of Americans were of the exact same mindset of basically what you've been saying on your Twitter account of, okay, why is it, you know, regular Americans have to put on their boots first thing in the yeah. morning and work a long day's work, and, and here we're not getting anything done. I think that message really resonates, and you found kind of a funny way to, to you know, poke fun at that whole yeah. situation. Yeah, I think the one that a lot of people don't get is the one about wider spaces for 18 wheels. You know, and, and I'm in the trucking business, mm -hmm. so, you know, 30-something years, my wife and I have run a trucking company that we started, so, you know, I've got uh, driver's license, motorcycle license, commercial driver's license, and a pilot's license in my pocket so uh you know it's uh that was just a jab at maybe getting an 18 wheeler where you could park up here for a little bit. well it spoke to our hearts and the hearts of a lot of people in our audience because we got a lot of drivers out there who are yeah. listening to the show yeah. downloading the show and and writing in on a regular basis so oh god really. salt of the earth people there man really and, and the technology in our trucking industry i know this isn't what y'all want to hear but the technology is is changing so fast mm -hmm. i mean the last uh trucks that we got out of the box and put on the road uh four or five months ago man artificial intelligence in there mm. it's it's amazing what these new trucks do so and i think you know hopefully it became more apparent to americans how critical truck drivers are to this country when we had the supply chain crisis happening and out in california you saw they didn't know what they were doing of letting truckers get uh what they need to take across the country the reason you know you have store shelves empty is if you don't let truckers do their job essentially yeah, yeah it, it was amazing how many people um were actually waving on and 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 encouraging the truck drivers because you know they were scared to death too mm -hmm. you know nobody knew what was going to happen mm -hmm. and uh the freight was going up and down like a roller coaster it was either on or it was off you may send a driver 500 miles down the road with a load to unload he get there and somebody had covid mm -hmm. tested positive they shut the whole place down and fenced it up yeah and you didn't know anything so he's just stuck he's stuck Unless you bring him back home, which is what we did. I mean, yeah. you know, we're going to leave him there because, you know, they've got family sitting at home and he's, he doesn't know what's going on. Nobody did. Yeah. So it was a, it was a really strange year. Yeah. Yeah, it was bad. That was real bad. Yeah. So one thing I wanted to ask you about is, okay, let's say Mike Johnson, new speaker, next week, clean slate. What do you think are the first couple things that start happening in Congress? Well, the first things that we need to do, we've got almost all of the appropriation bills teed up right mm -hmm. now. There were two that were left in subcommittees. One of them I need out because i got to kick Noah in the ass. Mm -hmm. You know, they've, they've got that 10-knot rule that they are trying to impose up and down the entire eastern seaboard. And most people don't even know about this. Yeah, if, what? You, if you've got a sport fishing boat that's over 35 feet long, uh -huh. and it doesn't take much of a sport fishing boat now to get that, mm -hmm. yeah. you can only go 10 knots for like 100 miles out. Because really? of some right well issue. You're kidding. No. They, they, these right wells have been around a 300 mark for population since 1980 when they started. But they want to try to increase the population. And what, what we found out, and this is way off the, in the weeds, but what we have found out is where they were calving every five years. Mm -hmm. Now they're calving every seven to nine years. Mm -hmm. So when we had the uh, NOAA administrator in there, I asked her, I said, well, you know, this is the Biden administration. Now y'all are big on sex education. Why don't y'all teach sex education to those whales out there and leave the sport fishers alone? <laughs> they were gaveling. <laughs> Gentlemen's of time <laughs> like, like, yeah. i thought it was a good idea <laughs> so but but that stuff like that yeah that's what we've got to get out and we've and, and 
a lot of us have these amendments and, and these bills mm-hmm. because appropriation bills are not just made up of budgetary numbers. Mm-hmm. There's another side to it, and that's that's where we get our accountability and our control back over the government federal agencies that have been freaking way out of control mm-hmm. and overreaching in our lives. Mm. And and you can't do that when you pass CRs and when you pass these omnibus bills. Yeah. So we need to get them out. We need to get them on the floor. We need to mark them up, amend them, vote on them, and get that stuff over to the Senate. One of the greatest things, I think, about a citizen legislator and a guy like yeah. you who had a trucking company with your wife for years and years and years, now you come to Congress and you're putting a fresh set of eyes that come from a background of common sense. Like yeah. you had to put a payroll together. You had to keep people employed. And so you're thinking about things in a way that a lot of longtime politicians don't think about them. Yeah, and I think that that in part lends to our little bit of humor that we always try to put into whether it's a video or a picture or, or whatever we do. It's just the f- mere fact that, and, and I don't mean this in a wrong way, but the good Lord's blessed me. Mm. You know, we run over a hundred trucks up and down the road every wow. day. My, my, my little brother who's taller than me and, 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 and his son and my two sons, we had, my wife had twins the first time around. Mm-hmm. They run that place. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, our sons all graduate from college. They've been down there for five years. We're stepping back. So we've been very fortunate. I don't have to do this. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't come up here for the weather. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm up here to achieve some goals and, and to, to get this federal government back under control, get mm-hmm. our debt under control. And, and when we do that, when we serve the country, because I think everybody should serve in some capacity. Yeah, I agree. Man, I'm going back home. Yeah. I was doing other things before I got here. Yeah. Yeah, so you so you mentioned appropriations. What else do you think is, I mean, there's this big. Oh, you've got NDAA right now that, yeah. that that's up for conf, conference. Yeah. You know, and, and you're looking at a freshman that is a conferee. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me how I got it. You know, <laughs> um, I chair the research and technology subcommittee for space science and technology. Mm-hmm. Don't know why they gave that to me, but I wasn't giving it back. Mm-hmm. You know, why don't you give me a gavel, man? <laughs> so, um, you know, we've got that. And you've got China mm-hmm. that is all around the world mm-hmm. just waiting to pounce on things. And inside the NDAA, for instance, there's ammunition, there's fuel that's got to be paid for. We've got territories over in the Pacific, the Indo-Pacific, Guam, mm-hmm. that, that they are nervous because we haven't taken that up. Mm-hmm. And, and when that shuts down, they don't get paid. We don't, ha- we don't have our ammunition going through over there. We don't have anything. Mm-hmm. So that's just one thing on NDAA. You've got, you've got the Highway Trust Fund. Mm-hmm. Hasn't it, the FAA renewal? Mm-hmm. Um, not the Highway Trust Fund. We had that. God, that was last week. I could tell y'all some stories on these committee meetings. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the, rep, the 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 repercussions of slow moving, not yeah. moving, messing around—they are felt worldwide. Oh yeah, and the impact to America is so much greater than anybody actually would know. Yeah, but this is this is what you're talking about. That that's and and that's why I've always said, listen. People ask me about vacating the chair. And I said, you know, um, nothing you can do about it now. It's been done. Mm-hmm. But I just said it was the wrong time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like when, God forbid, we have an accident. But when I drive up on the accident scene, I don't get out and start yelling at my shop crew or my HR guy. You hired the wrong guy. Y'all didn't fix this. You didn't. We clean up the accident scene. Mm-hmm. We clean up the mess. We get it back to our office. We get behind closed doors. Yeah, heads roll. Mm-hmm. Things get things are going to change if it's our if it's our problem, and that's where we're at here. 
we finally had a schedule set up and we were going to have three more appropriation bills come up you realize if we hadn't vacated chair we'd probably have 90 percent of our appropriations done mm. today Oof. yeah that's wild yeah. And it makes me think my father-in-law always says, keep the main thing the main thing. Yeah. And it's just wild that so many people get sidetracked by by all of this stuff that, that matters in some sense, but doesn't necessarily have to be done. Oh, sure. Today. Did we need to litigate how we how we wound up here again? Yeah. Because I've, I've told, I even told the speaker, I said, by God, we, this won't happen again on my watch. Mm-hmm. You got me one time. Somebody got me. I mean, I just got here. Never been elected anything. But damn it, next year, I'll be asking January. Where's the budget? Where's our top line number? Okay, when are appropriation bills supposed to be done? Mm-hmm. If you've got a subcommittee chair or appropriations chair, whoever it is that's not doing their job, you just need to say, listen, you know, you've, you've had 30 days, 60 days, mm-hmm. you're out. Next one up. Give me somebody else. But you've got to hold people accountable. You've got to set dates and times of when these stuff needs to be done. And you just push it out. It's, mm-hmm. it, damn, it's not that difficult. Mm-hmm. This is not that hard. Our job description is so simple. Take care of your constituents and oversight of the federal government. And you do that by holding hearings like on Crooked Joe Biden and his whole family. (laughs) And you do that by appropriation bills Mm -hmm. and passing those 12 bills and getting them out. Mm -hmm. And then any of the other side stuff, NDAA or the the transportation or FAA, you get those out. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, it's not like we're up here reinventing the wheel. Yeah. It's, it's while well, accountability is just such a foreign idea in D.C., they're just surprised yeah. that, wait, you're trying to get work done? Yeah. yeah. Well, and yeah. there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of loyalty to, you know, you've been here forever and, you know, you know, it's their turn. Bullshit, man. We got a job to do. Yeah. We're $33 trillion in debt. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so simple, but it just so many people overcomplicated so many people create so uh, so many unnecessary problems and i mean look we're lucky to have you because your sense of humor stands out people of georgia a lot of people in georgia are lucky to have you because you're taking what they're concerned about to washington but we've got three questions here at the ruthless variety program that we ask every one of our guests we hope we can throw these at you oh lordy all right (laughs) very very important question (laughs) so the first question is if you could pick your last meal on earth it could be anything what would it be? Oh, boy, that's easy. Uh, even my staff probably knows that. It'd be surf and turf. Yeah. It'd be fried chicken and fried catfish. <laughs> that's that excellent. is so good. <laughs> <laughs> I love fried catfish. Man, what you talk, I could eat catfish all day. It's, and fried chicken now. We've, we've, we've got a good big chick chicken shack there in Jackson, Georgia, man. They they they, they know I'm on speed dial with them. Man. <laughs> what you need, Mike? <laughs> what do you wash it down with? Oh, uh, well, you know, we're Coke down there, Coca-Cola products. That's so, right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So now, now if, if it's weekend, that's a good PBR now. Yeah. <laughs> Pass blue ribbons on mine all day long. You know? <laughs> you know why they don't sell it in less than 16 ounce cans, don't you? Why is that? Because they'd have to give it away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should say, I do like PBR. That's, that's, that's my go-to. Yeah. No, it's, it's good. <laughs> It's good. I'm not complaining about it. All right. So next question. Thinking back through your life, and you've had a very successful life, you know, running a trucking company, and now you're in Congress. But if you could go back and start all over again and do anything at all, I mean, completely blue sky, sports, astronaut, anything, what would it be? You know, I always said that I wanted to be a pilot, Mm -hmm. an an airline pilot. 
And, uh, and, and it's funny. Everybody knows that when I tell them my story because, you know, I, I tell them, well, you know, my dad, he didn't have planes. We had trucks. So I was in the trucking business, wasn't in the plane business. But uh, that's and, – and, and it's so funny because before I ran for Congress, I had I, – I sit down every year and write down my three goals that I want to do for the year. Mm-hmm. done it since I was 18. It's probably That's why I got married when I was 21 because I, I wanted to be married. But I was finally getting my pilot's license. I had bought a plane. Mm-hmm. Put some money into it, buying it from my little instructor. And then uh, when I decided to get in this race, my wife said, well, you know where you're going to get that seed money from, don't you? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Plane went out. You know, I, I turned it back into him, and he sold it a couple of months later for an extra twenty grand. But uh, that's that's really – I love being in the air. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's good fun. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm going to let Smug ask this next. This is, this is a fourth question that we started asking people, but Smug has a very, very, he's got his own sort of way of coming at this. I'll let you go ahead and ask Uh-oh. this. Sure. So uh, a while back when we first started this show, we had an episode where we discussed this poll which came out where you know it compared Americans versus people in Britain on what's the largest animal they could fight. And in, in England, they were like capped at maybe a pigeon. You know, and in the U.S., you, <laughs> the have, British you, for you. you have folks who are like, I could take a lion. Yeah. So what's the largest animal, mano a mano, no holds barred, hand to hand, you could take? Oh, hand to hand. Um, I, you know, God, I don't know. I, I tell you what we do sit around. I got a buddy of mine. He comes over. We drink a few cold beers. And uh, I've got a large problem with hogs on my property. Yeah, and, and, Oh, yeah, we're all the time talking about, man, if I had a knife, man, give me that. <laughs> here, 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 hold my beer. I'm going for that one. You know? <laughs> Those are, they're nasty animals. Oh, yeah, yeah, but I mean, you just think, man, if you could take one down and slit him real quick, man, that's that's manly there. And, and to solve the problem, I mean, they are a nuisance. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so last question, and this one's a little bit esoteric. But we like to think here at the Ruthless Variety Program that most people are motivated by one of two things, either the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat. And the thrill of victory people, that's the sunny optimists. They're always kind of like charging up the hill to the next thing. And the agony of defeat people, they're just afraid of what happens if they lose. And they it just if they do lose, they carry that around with them for the rest of their life, kind of like, like a Michael Jordan yeah. type yeah, guy. Yeah. So where do you find yourself on that Oh, spectrum? God, it's definitely not the agony of defeat. Um, you know, that thrill of victory, man, pushes you on. I think that's one reason I've started a number of businesses. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I ran for this seat 10 years ago when it was open mm-hmm. and, and lost in the primary. And, and I stayed mad for three or four years. I was like, man, that's thing going to ever happen again. I can, I, I, I can do this. And you go back and relitigate it. But, uh, man, that when you – anybody – I don't see how anybody could ever answer that any other day. That's just me now. Yeah. But but there's something about that winning. Yeah. And that that I think that's one reason Trump was so contagious. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about the Trump years. Mm-hmm. People, so much winning. People so never got tired of it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, every every damn time I turned pulled into the parking lot on Monday, it was like somebody bought a new vehicle. I was in the wrong business. Mm-hmm. I should have gotten an automobile dealership. <laughs> you know, they were every, or either they were going on vacation or they were buying houses. So that winning is contagious and it feels good and it and it, and that in itself motivates you. Yeah. Yeah, well that's a that is a great answer. It's one yeah. of the best answers we've had for thrill of victory and we were very, very lucky to have you on the show today. A lot of people in Georgia, they're very lucky that you're their guy. And um, can't I don't, thank I don't you think enough. I've gotten more requests for yeah, a guest no, everybody, in the history everybody, of this show. Everybody's so pumped. <laughs> if, if people want to follow you 
and uh, keep up with what you're doing, uh, where should they go? It's just easy. Rep Mike Collins. Okay. And, and you can find us. You, yeah. You go across all the social media and we'll be, we'll be there. So. Okay. Well, thank Mike you. Collins, thank you so much. Thank for you hey, so I enjoyed much it. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, he is one of the funniest guys great guy. in Congress. And I, we are so lucky that we got to talk to him. I mean, what a great personality, Duncan. I know that you weren't able to make it to the interview, and I know you're very disappointed that you weren't able to sit in on that because you know as well as we do that this is one of the best personalities I, in Congress. I think he has a bright future. I hope we get a lot more memes. I'm, I'm hoping for a lot of good content. Now, now that we can finally play offense... I hope we get a lot more memes. And also, uh, you know, like I said, this was like the hottest ticket in town trying to book him for an interview. But I love that we did because I think a lot of folks knew, okay, he's hilarious. Mm -hmm. He makes a lot of good points by seeing his like memes and jokes online. But you see this interview and you're like, he's actually a really chill dude. He's really, he's got his eye on the ball, mm -hmm. basically top of mind with what concerns are facing Americans. And, and he's, he's in the right place to help out. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love it. Fellas, I think we did it. Another banger? I think so. Absolute banger of an episode. Gentlemen, thank you so much again, Congressman Mike Collins. Thank you so much to the Minions. And a reminder, if you don't subscribe to us on YouTube yet, please do. You'll be able to see all the charts and everything else we got cooking up. So until next time, Minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Tuesday. Stay ruthless. <laughs>